Oh, this is just it, uh, blizzard. Whatever, I don't even... What am I talking about? I don't know, we're supposed to be in a blizzard today. That shouldn't matter. What should matter is... Episode 15, What the Pat? That's what I'm gonna be doing. That's right! Got some updates for you on Rosie. Beverage talk. May not be what you think. Maybe it will be what you think. I don't know. Is it ever what you think? It is what you think. Let me push play and record together so we can get this show going. For those of you who don't know, that's how you used to record back in the day. Shh. Oh. So yeah, how cool is this? Got an update on Rosie, the great white shark I talked about the last episode. I kind of think it's neat that this actually happened. I didn't expect it to happen so quick. Wow, look at that. Kind of like, happen? I get so freaking helium high on that. I should bring some helium in sometime to the studio. AKA, this doesn't matter. We're talking about Rosie. Crystal World Prehistoric Journeys is the new owner. Her tank has been drained. She has been lifted out of space, and she's over at Crystal World now. There's all kinds of videos and stuff. I'll have links in the notes, but you could check YouTube out and everything, or go to Crystal World Prehistoric Journeys Facebook page and check it out too. So they're going to restore and put her on display, and that looks like it's going to be her home for a long time. I mean, I'd like to say forever, but, you know, who knows? Is there ever a forever? But very cool that someone stepped in and took care of, took, you know, took care of her kind of historical and I seeing the videos and stuff some people like man I remember going to you know where she was and seeing her there and now you know it's kind of cool I like I like going back to memories um when I was a kid and seeing places uh recently I've gone back to North Carolina a few times but a few years ago because I lived in North Carolina I got to see the old apartments I lived in so it was kind of nostalgic and cool And a couple of years ago, I went back to North Carolina, and now those are no longer there. And there are these huge mansion-type houses pretty much stacked on top of each other there. And it's just a totally different landscape and everything and and look. And it's kind of crazy seeing these gigantic houses in place of it. It's hard to visualize what it used to look like and everything. So there, down memory lane with Pat. Should have some music for that and be like, down memory lane. I don't sing. I shouldn't sing. Don't sing. This strange story did catch my eye, however. Um, no pun intended on that. <laughs> uh, because um, they found a spider that's 110 million years dead. Does that make sense? Let's start over. Um the spider was found, even though it died 110 million years ago, that its eyes still glow. How crazy is that? So uh, these fossil hunters in Korea discovered long-dead spiders that were preserved in Iraq and come to find out the arachnid's eyes are still reflective 110 million years after it's, it died. So that's that's pretty cool to me. Um, they also went on to say that today's wolf spiders employ the same eye structure um, so, yeah, that was interesting. It's it's just a short read, and they got a couple pictures up and everything. Uh, but it was cool I, to find something like that and then, you know, do a study. I just thought it was cool. Kind of, kind of funky. I like that stuff. 
what I do find cool too is uh, I was looking at some tarantulas once. It was some science fair or something, and they put a black light over them, and that was kind of neat seeing a tarantula under a black light. It glows. If you didn't know, you can look that up too. High five. So just a quickie on the uh, strange stories, you know, with an update and something interesting I found. I don't typically go searching for stuff like that. It just pops up in my news feed, and if I find it cool, then I kind of want to talk about it and share it, because there are so many things in the world that are shared that I'm amazed that things even get shared or you find out about things, because there's just so much out there nowadays, which is cool. I remember, speaking of strange stuff, is my uh, dad had this cool book of, like, strange things in the universe and all that, all these weird things. Uh, so I found it kind of cool, like learning about the Jersey Devil and all this other kind of weird phenomenon stuff and all that. And uh, it intrigued me with aliens. Like, do I think there's aliens out there? I, I think we're kind of selfish to think that we're the only ones on a planet that has, you know, life on it. There's got to be something. Why would we be the only one? That just seems weird. I don't know. And uh, do I think there's things on Earth that aren't explainable and that are hiding? Sure. I mean, this this a, Earth's a big place. It is. And then all of this led me down the path to the uh, Euphemet uh, website, euphemet.com. And they have some podcasts up and they do a whole bunch of stuff on, uh, I believe they go ghost, ghost hunting, uh, look for alien sightings and all that. You know, I'm probably not even doing them justice talking about their website. But they have a podcast, Euphemet. And uh, I just started listening to that. Oh, oh! I should put up the music. Hey, um, what I've been listening to. So the cool thing is, I like to listen to podcasts when I'm I'm snowblowing because I can give it my full attention and clearing snow is fairly easy. And it's 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 just takes me into my own little world. And uh, so I just started listening to their first podcast, and uh, it was about exorcism type stuff. And I got my headphones on, I got the machine going, and I don't jump easily. So it, it takes quite a bit for me to, to get startled. So I'm near the edge of the driveway, which we got a road along, and the podcast got going really good with the story. And then a semi-truck went by. Now, I was safe, don't worry. <laughs> I don't want you guys to be like, dang, don't get in harm's way. No, I wasn't in harm's way. So... I about jumped out of my skin with the timing of everything because I didn't hear the semi. I kind of saw it in my eye as it went by as the podcast was talking. And it was a bit freaky, funny, cool, laughed to myself and went back to snowblowing. Um, but yeah, Euphemit, check it out. They got some pretty cool stories on there. They also have um, videos on YouTube and a documentary or two on different things that they've done. And it's it's well done series and it's pretty interesting if you're into that. Uh, if you're kind of curious about it, it's worth checking out too. Um, but just to back up a little bit, it's kind of funny with the semi truck because it just reminded me of uh, the new Pet Cemetery trailer when you know, they're all standing in the driveway and the semi rolls by and she don't, jumps. So I was like, huh, I should jump. I did the same thing. But and since I were talking about listening to stuff, listening and seeing and all that. I don't know how I feel about the new Pet Cemetery movie because I really enjoyed the first one, not the second one. I thought the first one was really good and creepy. And that kid with a scalpel? Fuck no. No. Mm-mm. No. And if you haven't seen the movie, you won't know what I'm talking about. 
But the new one, I, I'm not even sure. Did we need it redone? Did we need like a reboot or a retelling of the same story? Will I see it? Maybe. Do I look forward to it? Eh, you know. Say I got to use up one of my Sia Cinemia tickets. Then maybe I'll see it. But yeah. Nah. Not sure. But while we're on the topic of uh, seeing things and, you know, the paranormal, I guess. And like abduction. Oh, abduction. So, <laughs> screw you, Discord Accords. I really wasn't going to watch this one because the main reason is I kept hearing people complain about the parents and how much of they were idiots. So, I'm talking about abducted in plain sight. I don't feel the parents were idiots. It's baffling. Now, you got to remember it's a documentary, so it could be showed in some form to show someone being stupid or not smart. I think the parents really got duped by someone who was a master manipulator. And if you haven't seen it, you should probably watch it because it's pretty interesting and you do sit there the whole time going, what? Are you serious? No fucking way. Holy shit. How could they? I think they got this guy found a family he could prey upon. And here's a family that I think if nothing bad had ever happened to them like this, they would have made it through life happy, jolly, like everything in life is just grand and cool and living life. And they were just some harmless souls, I feel, that got, you know, taken and just ripped apart. And it's an interesting study, too, because it shows how one person can destroy so many lives, the parents the kids, the people around the parents. Yeah, it's just crazy. But it was an interesting documentary. Abducted in Plain Sight. Link will be there. It's on Netflix. I do believe, which it may have gotten taken down. I thought I saw the whole thing up on YouTube, which I don't know if, you know, I don't know how they do that sometimes, but it looked like it was free. I don't know. But yeah, if you like some crazy documentaries like I do, thanks Discord Accords pushed you pushed me over the edge and went and went and watched it and now i'm catching up on season three of true detective i love season one season two was okay but season three seems to be stepping back into how season one did things and uh, it's it's solid well shot the acting's great um it goes back and forth it's traveling about three timelines so I think they did well with making sure you understood which timeline they're in. Because uh, sometimes that's hard in a show to grasp what's going on if it's future, past, or present. So they've done well with that. And I'm like episode, I believe, four in right now. So catching up there. But it's funny because now I'm on this, like, uh, I don't know, not paranormal path, but strange things happening. Versus just, you know, a cop show and all that. And also I got two more episodes of Daredevil Season 3 to watch. So the sad part is they've canceled all the Marvel shows on Netflix. So, man, I don't really care about Jessica Jones. Iron Fist was meh. And uh, Luke Cage, I couldn't finish it. Didn't watch Defenders. But Daredevil, Punisher, those are my those are my top two Marvel shows on Netflix. Oh, wait, they're not on there anymore. Or continuing. They're still there. Man, 
Maybe I should know what I'm talking about. Now, where's the fun in that? Huh? And Walking Dead is back in full swing. These past two episodes, I know uh, viewership is down, but it feels like it's starting to gain some traction and head in the direction that it used to go. And uh, really liking the last two episodes and looking forward to uh, more. Unless it sucks. But I think I'm invested. That's the hard part. Have you missed tech talk? Let's do some tech talk. I think you can have some tech in the kitchen, right? Kitchen gadgets are tech. So Instant Pot. I don't know if you have one of these things on your counter, but you should. These things are amazing, and we've had ours now for two years. We have two of them uh, because we do one to make the dog's meals and one to do our meals. So you can keep two going at one time. And I kind of like to keep our food separate from the dog's food for some reason. It just bothers me, even though they're pretty much eating what we're eating. And take a breather. So our ninja died. And we use that for a lot of things because that thing, I don't know if you have a ninja or if you've used one, but it will chop the shit out of things. It will blend. These things are amazing. And I loved it. So the wife wanted a new mixer because she's like, I love the ninja, but maybe we should get something a little different. Try something different out. So we looked at just like a couple cheapo blenders and I'm like, you know, you're not going to be happy because you won't be happy if you've had a ninja and you try to go backwards. Because it's hard to go backwards. It's like, it's easy, I think, when we had the Keurig, which I didn't really think was, it was cool at first. But then I was like, man, I don't know how I feel about this. And then I had French press coffee at a friend's house. And was like, that's ridiculously good and simple. So when our Keurig died, we just backwards did up to French press and found that it's even way easier. And you can make coffee, you know, it takes a little longer. But now we know how I feel about coffee. Sweet! Just had a flash of lightning outside. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, I think we're supposed to get a blizzard. And I've watched the weather this morning go from, like, amazingly beautiful and sunny out to uh, it's getting pretty dark. So, uh, by the prick of my thumb. Anyway, back to talking tech talk. This, that's just the box. So I can can read to you. (laughs) So, Instapot has a blender and i think this thing's brand new i don't it, i think it just slipped out on the market um looking at it, it's it's called the instapot ace so if you're familiar with a vitamix it's this is kind of similar but at a lot less cost even has a glass pitcher on it so let me talk about some of the things it does it'll make soups ice cream uh i'm looking bear with me here smoothies and the list goes on but it also the Vitamix heats but that's only because of its motor this actually heats so it'll it'll do temps for you and everything looks like uh, on the box it's got 200 degrees we're talking puree rice milk soy milk all kinds of stuff it's so far pretty damn cool what I didn't like about it in the beginning is 
when you push a button, it's similar to Instapot where it goes through its cycle and then it turns on. So it's weird to have a blender when you touch the button, nothing happens. Then it goes through the motions. But it's pretty much, if you choose the setting, it'll do it for you. It, it does a pulsing thing for uh, different types of stuff because, you know, it'll pulse, let everything settle, and then go again and all that. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, and it's like 100 bucks. You can find it at Walmart. They don't pay me to talk about this. I just thought it was way cool. And uh, did I mention the glass pitcher part? Those are hard to find nowadays. What we don't like about it, and I think because it's a new item right now, is... Uh, the base doesn't come off to clean the pitcher, so that makes it a little difficult. Um, it'll cl clean itself. You just put the soap in it and do all that. But if you got crud stuck in the bottom, it's a little hard to get out. And when it comes time to pouring, the lid doesn't, you have to take the lid off to pour. So you can't turn it to where you got just the hole to pour. Um, but those are just some minor complaints at the moment. Oh. I backed out on that one for you. So, Instapot Ace. Should I put a link in the notes? Okay, I'll put a link in the notes to make life easier. Dang. Speaking about a blender, and then I'm thinking how my show's going, and I got quite a good flow going. Usually I'm kind of scattered, but, uh, oh, another nice giant little burst of light outside. Focus. Focus. So, like I said, I got a good flow going. We're going to be talking now. Of course, I got sidetracked and jumped up to go record some of the uh, thunder that's happening outside. But of course, you know how that goes when you crack the mic. That's the sound you get. But uh, yeah, it looks like we're going to start getting hit. Anyway, talking McDonald's Coke this week. Because I like my beverages. If anybody were to ask me what my favorite Coke is, because I believe you can have a favorite, because you know... Some people like it in a can, some people like it in a bottle, some people like it in a cup, or on a train, or on a plane. Anyway, why do I love McDonald's Coke so much? To me, it is the best mix of Coke on the market you can get. <laughs> if you only cut into that part on the podcast, I could be in trouble. It's the way they mix the water and the Coke together, and then they pre-chill it before it enters the dispensers. And then the way they do their ice, and I think it's a mix of things, because I don't think you could just take it from the machine and put it into, say, your own mug and then go go head home. It's that straw, the way it does the oxygen flow through it, and everything. So I really hope they never get rid of the straws and McDonald's kind of sticks to the formula, because that Coke is amazing. Burger King, I don't know what you're doing, but you're fucking up the Coke. You you are. And uh, Taco Bell, come on. I know Pepsi owns you. Ditch it. You got 16 flavors of Mountain Dew. And I think most of them all taste like Mountain Dew. Yep. Fast food chains, best fountain soda on the market, McDonald's Coke. Just if you're asking me, because it's good. So Typically, if I buy Coke from the stores, like I'll get it in a two-liter bottle. You know, of cola <laughs> and uh, pour it into a glass and drink it. Um, I'm not big on Coke in cans anymore. I mean, I used to be able to, but you know, it's all about flavor and how you like to do it. Much like some beers, because Guinness, you can't just crack the can and drink it. Some people can, but you give it that good pour into a mug and uh, you get even more flavor out of it. Much like um, nitro coffees, you don't just crack a can and drink it. You. 
you crack that can with some force and you dump it hard into a glass and you just savor it. Savor it. So last week I read you a letter from my great-grandfather, Captain Stull, or as I like to call him, Grandpa Jack. I thought the letter ended kind of strangely. So as I was going through some more of his papers that I have here, I found the other half of the letter. So I'll call this part two and we'll uh, jump right into that. Welcome to History with Pat. As the rain lessened to a patter of small particles, our crew were on their feet, hoses again in hand, putting out small fires starting about the decks. Hatches had been blown off, tarpaulins blasted, awnings ripped to shreds. Smoke curled for number two and five hatches. I ordered steam on the smothering lines and unused tarp pulled over the bare beams. Ventilators covered while two hoses played down the hatches. Cooks and candle makers worked like demons for a while. Soon the fires from hot metal were out. At 12.25, a pilot came aboard. The hulk, its fire momentarily almost extinguished by the blast, again blazed fiercely. The oil and gas on fire was creeping toward us, and the Coleman stuck in the mud. Undetonated ammunition, blown aboard us by the blast, rolled about underfoot. The entire middle section of the hulk, from number one to number four hatches, had disappeared. The pilot said we had to get out, outside the harbor. The wall of fire stood between us. We waited, debating what to do. We could keep away, possibly, by going another six or eight hundred feet into the harbor and sticking into the mud. That might not be an escape. We cut our stern moorings and began to heave up both anchors. As we surged forward on the anchors, the fire etched our bow in sharp relief. It suddenly died down in the middle, leaving a clear path with only patches of flame. Outside the harbor for us, we decided... With all hoses except two cut by the explosion playing over our sides, we started on slow bell. Our wheels struck something and stuck, stopping the engines. Thirty seconds later, it freed and we gave her full ahead. We struck one of the patches of fire, stirred it up among the debris, and a wall of flame on the starboard side leaped high as the lower bridge, curled over the swung-out lifeboat, scorched the accommodation ladder. We passed through. All the smaller vessels in one medium ship the other side of the fire were streaming out ahead of us through the hole in the wall. We all anchored outside, scattered about. The pilot's boat failed to come out, so I sent him back in our motorboat by the two cadets. He had to get back to shift other ships threatened by the fire. Soundings and a careful inspection of the ship was made twice. Bilge pumped, and she was found apparently intact below the deck line, but above the deck line with a different story. One of the exploded ship's boilers, a twisted mass, landed on the beach about a mile away. It rained considerable light debris on the lee side of the town also. The tidal wave sank and damaged some small craft along the beach, I was told. After the explosion of the ocean voyager, the flames of the other ship on fire, the SS Favara had temporarily died down, giving us a chance to pass her and get out of the harbor. She was anchored just inside the hole in the wall. Shortly after we had gotten outside, the Vivara burst its sides and gasoline spread over a considerable area. If she had blazed up a short time before, we probably wouldn't be here now. At the height of her fire, she gave enough light to read by where we were, one and a half miles distant. By sunrise, her fire was totally extinguished. The ship's hulk resting on the bottom, funnel, bent mast, etc., only showing. Watching the overcast sky for enemy planes that were expected momentarily to return. We were determined to get revenge if they came back. The enemy lost a grand opportunity to bomb us again, lighted up as we were by the blazing ships. With all our men on deck, that's why I say it was a dozen miracles that no one was hit on our ship. Broadside on as we were, 
Other ships had casualties, although they were end-on, mostly. Our boat's crew that took the men aboard from the Ocean Voyager were members of our crew who had no special duties to perform an attack in the harbor. They happened to be the handiest men in the moment. One was a British soldier stationed aboard at the time. Their names are W.E. Perry, Engine Cadet, Adrian Carstens, Second Cook, Harold A. Blake, Oiler, Ulmer Vrem, Fireman, Jack A. Milsom, Oiler, and Trooper G. Rothwell of Not Sherwood Rangers, Yeomanry. Lieutenant Fred A. Toner, British tank officer, is the man who shot and detonated the torpedo. Attached is a complete list of damage received during that night of the attack. Much in the list is minor damage, easily repaired. In fact, some few lesser things have been repaired by our crew already. Prior to release of the ship by the sea transport offices, it is required that the ship be restored to the good condition she was in when taken over by the STC. The holes through the decks into the cargo spaces have been temporarily cemented to enable us to proceed to the next port for permanent repairs. I think the gang that rescued the six men from the Ocean Voyager should be mentioned in the War Shipping Administration or to the U.S. Maritime Commission. I counted over a hundred missiles that could have caused deaths on our decks next morning. Although I think we're pretty lucky, you should have seen our clothes and our faces the next morning. Black and grimy as chimney sweeps after a hard day's work. I didn't get my steel helmet dented. Guess I have to hit it with a hammer. The Coleman did not get off lightly, and the captain of the Tarantina told us he had some heavy damage. At least one of the other merchant ships also had considerable damage. It was a well-known warship that was struck by the torpedo. She's on the bottom. I better not give her a name. March 22nd, the wreck nearest continues to eject drums and cans of gasoline, comet-like, at occasional intervals. We are moored on the opposite side of her. Her stern is well ablaze. The drums and cans go two to three hundred feet into the air and come down flaming meteors. There are no bombs under the gasoline, but her after-magazine hasn't gone off yet. Not much to fear, for four-inch shells, unconfined, do not fly far. Our motorboat today picked up the body of the radio operator of the blasted ship. Seems we are indeed the duty ship. Yesterday we saw one of the torpedoes. Ugly beasts they are. A scout boat took it in tow. It was first sighted from the hospital ship that had just returned to pick up more wounded from the front line. The STO commander told me that he'd found three other torpedoes that had overshot their mark and landed ashore. They had them dismantled and examined. I saw one of their parachutes also. Coarse cotton fabric, eight feet across, with a pilot chute on it. The British NOIC here, questioning me about the night's events, remarked, Rather plucky chaps you have to go out in the boat to get those men. I said, oh, my entire crew is like that. He is a dry stick of a man. He said, you took your ship through the fire, then outside, I understand? I said, we had a pilot. We took her out. Lieutenant Smith, a damn good pilot. He said, um, yes, I know. The harbor entrance is almost blocked by ships sunk by the retreating enemy, leaving what is called the hole in the wall, a few feet to spare on either side. Those torpedoes are about 8 feet long and 20 inches in diameter. They have three pistols on the nose. The nose is round and the pistols are placed on the upper side. One in the center and one on each side of the center, but not quite halfway down. It has one aluminum propeller with a big pitch. There are horizontal hinged fins either side of the tall assembly. One rigged fin on top and one rudder underneath. Tail assembly painted dark blue. The rest of the torpedo painted light green. 500 pounds of TNT. Elmer J. Stull, read by Patrick Danforth. Duh, pretty cool. It's so cool to get, like, first-hand experience. Is that how you would say it? It's kind of neat to get history from a person versus a book at times who actually lived it and went through it. So 
I'm so amazed at how many letters, reports, and all that that he wrote and that he kept. Very cool. I tried when I was in the Navy to kind of do something similar, and it's time-consuming, and I had other things and preoccupied. Me? Pat? Get sidetracked? What? No way! So, yeah, I, I wrote some stuff. I had some great time in the Navy. Um, Nothing, nothing like uh, Grandpa Jack crazy uh my grandfather was also a merchant marine and i don't think he kept any letters or stories or any of that because i haven't seen anything from the family but still very cool and i hope you find it cool i also just started putting those into their own podcast because i just kind of wanted to archive it um because there are people out there who enjoy that stuff and like to hear about it and it's kind of you know you've you get 15 sides to a story, so to speak. So this is just another telling of a story from someone else's, you know, point of view and all that, which is pretty cool. If you were asking me, were you asking me? I think I hear you asking me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it should have been called What the Pat or Sidetrack Pat. I couldn't do Sideshow Bob or Sideshow Pat. But yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. And I'll jump into some music that I've been listening to. Lately, for some reason, I found myself going down uh, the channels of old ACDC and watching when Bon Scott was uh, with them till you know, he passed away. So it's cool going, uh, diving back in and seeing some old concerts. The man had swagger. And watching the four of them together and understanding how ACDC operates and works, you you just get a great feeling for a band. I know people are like, ACDC's tired, they're old, they do the same thing over and over. Yep, they do the same thing over and over. It's called a business, and they make it work, and they put out great albums. There's a few, you know, you can always go through and pick your favorites and not your favorites, but it's tried and true, and of course, they may have another album coming out, and it looks like um, Brian Johnson's going to be in, Phil Rudd's going to be in, and I believe Cliff is going to be playing bass. Rumor. I don't know. And then, uh, I can't think of his name, and I'm sorry, the uh, nephew on rhythm guitar, Malcolm and Angus's nephew. So, yeah, just... It's cool. I like YouTube for the uh, fact that you can go search and look for old concerts and see footage. And some are shot well and some aren't, but it's it's cool seeing that. Oh, did the music just get cued? It did. I'm out of here. Got this one in the can. Send it out to the masses. Share it with your friends. If you ever want to get a hold of me, you know how to do that. What the Pat Podcast at gmail.com, whatthepat.com, facebook.com slash whatthepat. I'm pretty much all over the place. Instagram, you know, the channels. Just hit your channels. Share me. If you think others are interested, I'd appreciate it. Also, check out Discord Accords, Euphemet, and, uh, oh, yeah. Thanks to all of you who, uh, Drop me a line, and I uh, will get your stickers sent out. Appreciate that. Do me a favor. Hashtag them somewhere. What the Pat podcast. Appropriately. No inappropriateness. I don't condone 
Well, I don't want to be, you know, boo. Oh, man. I get sidetracked. I'm done rambling. It's your show now. Turning it over. I'm going to edit that out. The burp.